0: All right, I'm here again today with Pastor Danny Lopez and Pastor John Paul Mary, and uh Paul good Mary. to be with you guys here in this beautiful studio. We didn't mention it last time in the first episode, but man, this is a cool spot. This is a nice right? spot. Really yeah. cool spot. I love vibes. I love vibes, the vibe man. in the back wall here, you know. What, what I know the that? artist. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. What do you call so, that guy there? This is Quincy, Quincy. everybody. Quincy Quincy, all right? Yeah. Quincy. Remember that name. Cool. Okay. But um but day. yeah, great shout out to that. And we're here at the New Life Community Church in a midway location in the studio here. And So um good to be with you guys. We're we're continuing the journey uh about restarts, right? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about. Uh this whole series is everything restarts, everything on restarts. In our last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about um questions to help build a framework for what a restart is. Um which is something New Life has spent over two decades, right, navigating through, mm-hmm. and we just want to give that away. Everything that we've learned, uh, whether um, through uh, great experiences or even difficult experiences, we want to be able to kind of package that up and give it away to the C with a capital, uh, the Church with a capital C, yeah, so that they can. Uh, they can do the work of evangelism. They can do the work of the gospel and keeping it um, in 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 uh, in buildings that are already dedicated for kingdom use. We want to keep that going, yeah. honoring the legacy, right? We talked about yes. that, honoring the legacy of 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 that that church. And um, so, I thought it'd be really good to um, to piggyback off of that first conversation with uh, with more of a, a a narrative, a story. And and Danny, I've talked to you about this. Yeah. Um, would love, love, love. T- I think it would be great for our listeners to hear your story, um, of, of an eventual restart, but it didn't start that way. No, it right? didn't. didn't start that way. So yeah. why don't you tell us how long have you been pastoring and, and tell us, tell us everything that kind of led up. And I know that's a lot. I'm, I'm asking you to talk a lot about yeah, something. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll hit the high, the high <laughs> points, but everything that but, led uh, up to
0: the restart that you're currently, uh, in right now.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I've been pastoring, Full time since I was 28. Um, so it was like two years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I'm 58, 28. Just do the math. But even before that, I've I've done music, been doing music since I was 17, 18, and singing and playing in church. And so I knew I was I knew I, was, I wanted to do ministry. That's mm-hmm. I just wanted to dedicate my life to preach the gospel and make disciples. It's just been my, my heartbeat. And thank the Lord for the the people who poured into all of our lives when we were younger. Yeah. All of us, you know, right. people, people love people. And we, we love people into the kingdom. By the time I was 28, 29, I, uh, I went full time, went to Moody, graduated from Moody, uh, did youth ministry. And I, I was, I considered myself a lifer. I knew I just wanted to do the rest of my life was youth ministry. When I first met you, you were a youth pastor. That's right. Yeah. I came to speak at the warehouse. Yep. You know, on the south, side. So that's when I first met Asa and met Dwayne. I was one of the youths, the Utes, yeah, the, the yeah. two youths. That I love that warehouse, man. That was sweet. That was a great spot. Mm-hmm. It was. You guys were the envy of us, uh, <laughs> some of us Northside Youth Pastors. Um, that's when I first met Asa. Actually, that's when I first was introduced to New Life, hmm. was the invitation to come and speak um, um, at that event. And then I began to develop a relationship with Dwayne when Dwayne became the youth pastor. So Dwayne and I hung out a lot. We did a lot of events together. I spoke here, he spoke at our youth ministry. So that was a relationship that we just, uh, that we just uh, begin to navigate, well, not navigate through, but evolve. Anyways, long and short, I, I moved, I shifted from doing youth pastoring uh, back in 2004, sold my house and moved to Seattle, Washington, actually the Whoa. Skagit Valley, 45 minutes from the Canadian border. Wow, it was a different season in my life. I went into youth missions, started doing coaching and training in youth ministry. I started. I, I was responsible for a beautiful youth center in the uh, in the Skagit Valley through a ministry called a parachurch ministry called uh, uh, Youth Dynamics. Okay. Very mirror to youth uh, YFC Youth for Christ, but I, I just it just wasn't flying. It just wasn't working there for me. That's a big move, though. Man. Oh man, it was night and day, and I thought I was. I, I thought you know I'm. I'm I can navigate through change real easy because growing up, we moved, my family moved almost every year and a half mm. for different, different schools and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, ah, change is no big deal. When I went to Seattle, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it was night and day. Culture was like literal the op, complete opposites. Yeah. Uh, There's no, not a lot of Dutch. sunlight over there. Well, actually the we were at, it was beautiful. It was okay. by Mount Baker. Okay, uh, The area was beautiful. I just couldn't. I couldn't accept the culture. I couldn't accept the fact that I was out of the city. Mm. This was literally the sticks. This was the mountains, the valley, mm. a whole nother different kind of culture, different kind of kids, uh, people, the whole thing. I just couldn't do it. A year later, we moved back to Chicago. Wow. Uh, I was out of work uh, for five months, six months, lived on our savings, mm. and um, and I was super discouraged. I went into depression thinking I failed God. I messed up. I ran away from a call. I mean, ev- everything. I just It just got real dark for me. Mm. Uh, found a job as a custodian at a church and then f- did that for a few months. Didn't do any real ministry. And then I got a call from a, uh, Youth for Christ, Dick Norton. I got back into youth ministry uh, through Youth for Christ. Did that for a couple of years. Then I went to GRIP Outreach for Youth. Did that for a, cu- a few years doing coaching. Yeah. I started coaching youth pastors and, uh, showing them how to, you know, helping them create youth ministries and that whole aspect. And then one day, man, uh, doing really well, I started a a motivational speaking business called Lopez Out Loud. I was really taken off. I started making some money, started writing a a book, and uh, not knowing what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm just looking for avenues to start making income and still do ministry. And uh, uh, Lopez Outlaw was really starting to take off. I was getting calls, hmm. two, three calls a week, you know. It was nice. And all of a sudden, Dwayne gives me a call <laughs> on a Thursday night or something. I was picking up my daughter from work. And he goes, yo, uh, Danny, we reconnected. Ah, oh, Dwayne, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, listen, um, now, my again, it's 9 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking it was an emergency. Yeah, like, listen, man, uh, uh, we're, th- we're thinking about launching, uh, doing a church plant in Tri-Taylor. He says, uh, your name popped up a few times. I'm wondering maybe you'd be interested in doing a church plant. And I'm thinking, youth pastor? <laughs> like, no, never, ever, yeah. ever wanted to be a pastor. Never wanted to be a senior pastor. Never. Did I say never? No, I, said, I don't yeah. think you I did. Said, no, No, I, I didn't <laughs> want to do, be. I, I, it says, no, not interested. And I looked at my wife, and she's like, no, that's not going to fly. <laughs> You know, so I hung up the phone, let it go. A couple days later, Dwayne calls me again.
0: He doesn't let up. No, man. he doesn't. He <laughs> says,
1: Hey, Danny, how are you? He says, Listen, uh, uh, your name popped up again, and we're doing this church plan. I don't know if you're interested. It's like, Dwayne, bro, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm not sure. He says, Hey, listen, just just drive by the place, uh, think about it, pray about it, and blah, blah, blah. And, and then that started, you know, I talked to Pastor Mark once and then I, I didn't even, born and raised in Chicago, didn't even know Triteal even existed. Yeah. So <laughs> I wonder where it was. Just like you, John, I, I drove past the area and I, and drive I see. By. drive see Drive-by. That's an official spiritual <laughs> an explorational term. explorational drive. Yeah. Yes. And um, so I look at the area and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. All right. So then for, I think, four months, four months of phone calls uh, through Pastor Mark and Dwayne, because uh, I was just going back and was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. My wife was opposed to it. Mm. Uh, she's like, no, this isn't going to work. And so f- the, the last call was, I remember it was March, and then there was a pastoral retreat. Mm-hmm. I believe it was yeah, up in, I don't know where it was. It was up Probably a few hours. Wisconsin hour- or something. Yeah, it was a yeah. few hours away. And my wife was completely opposed. She's Danny, I don't think we want, I want to do this. And I said, let's just check it out. Yeah. So we went to the pastor's retreat. And the first person we, my wife and I met was um, Kevin Bursema and his wife. And then uh, right when when they were unloading their kids, um, um, Dudenhofer's pulled up. And then so my wife and I met them, and there was just such a sweet spirit about them. Mm. And then for some reason, just both of us just kind of calmed down. Uh, by the way, my wife and I, we didn't talk at all, by the way, in the car drive <laughs> to the retreat. Yeah, we it's need to interview her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to hear her. Dude, how the I'm journey. telling you. How it you would know what? be a good interview. A restart
0: perspective from the pastor's wife. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. You yeah. Yeah. there you go. There you go. Because she
1: was not happy. I'd
2: like to hear the journey of how, yeah. she, how she flipped. The whole
1: drive, <laughs> it was quiet. We barely spoke. and then, But we got into the car. She met the wives, and something happened. Something happened inside of her. And then the, the next two days, the meetings... Uh, the vision and, and just the sense of um, teamwork and family aspect that was mm. there we, that we had never experienced. Right. And I, mind you, I would worked at three megachurches since mm-hmm. then. Wow. I'd been in three megachurches. Wow. And um, we did not sense or feel what we, what we experienced there. Wow. And I think what turned, what turned around for my wife was when Pastor Mark was talking about ministry and family ministry and family was the key so family comes first uh because we came from a culture where the ministry comes first and it's just it's just driven you, you work hard you work hard you work hard uh it's all about sunday we work towards sunday and it's just you you just you work yourself to death for mm-hmm. the for the sake of the kingdom sacrifice sacrifice sacrifice
0: and sometimes sacrifice your family
1: and, and that and that's actually what almost happened with me mm. you know me and my wife And so when she heard the family came first and that that we should have fun and the family's priority. And then it's and then after that, then it's ministry, Uh, because without a healthy family, you can't have a healthy ministry. Mm. So she just I mean, at that point, she's like, okay, this 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 is going to work. Then we had communion and then I had to leave because my wife had to go to work. Mm. So uh, the drive back home was totally different thank Talk. you jesus <laughs> and at, at that point it was a go yeah you know and, and then at the same time knowing that i had no idea what i was doing yeah uh, <laughs> all i know is youth ministry you know i'm a youth ministry expert i was considered an expert in the field been done done it for 27 years spoke conferences did all kinds of stuff uh, via youth i'm thinking i have no idea what to do in regards to church hmm. being a senior pastor a lead pastor it was scary. Wow. But what we do is always a risk. It's always an adventure. That's right. You know, you trust the Lord and you know God, you know, you're, you're, if you're in this, you got to take me. So I remember I had a conversation at uh, at the Lakeview campus with Pastor Mark in a car. That was, I think that was the interview. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> and um, and I, I told Pastor Mark, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, but if you help me, I'll do it. Hmm. If you help me, I'll do it. And he said, okay. And that just pretty much launch i started in in september all the all the i like how reverse navigation i like those mm-hmm. that phrase that you use that was already in place so everything was already moving towards this this uh church launch we were launch number 11 okay. for
2: our uh which by the way is insightful because we said yes to this plant because this was more like a classic church plant as yes. opposed to a restart before we had a leader yeah. So we didn't know who the leader was. And unconventional. Unconventional. It's not like we get a leader first. It's what, what's God saying? What's, what's God doing? Is there God, God activity? Yes, there seems to be. We're not sure who the leader is going to be quite yet, but let's keep going forward on this thing. And <laughs> that'll eventually come to light. Yeah, Who's details, gonna lead this details. It's going to be the point, man, but we don't, we don't really know at this point. But we know one thing. We want it to be God's man. Yeah, right. And you certainly were, Danny. And I was one, one of the fire first firecracker youth pastors. Yeah. there you go, man.
1: I was one of the first outsiders to come in. Yeah. Because remember, we always grew. We always grew from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pastor Mark and you guys had already been having meetings on looking at people from outside, mm-hmm. but yet have the the same love and the same passion and the same vision. Mm-hmm. And I had experienced I had experienced the essence of our vision when I came to speak at an engage conference. I remember speaking. Yeah, and I was one of the first outsiders to come speak. That's true. Yeah, and that's when when I saw you guys coming from the side with the smoke, with the SWAT <laughs> fatigues, and you guys were throwing out of uh, grenades. And Pastor Mark <laughs> preached. I uh, uh, started sharing the vision. I thought I want to be a part of that. Wow, I want to be a part of that. And then came the whole phone calls and everything. Right. So, and
0: I remember actually I was leading worship for a, a restart in the Lincoln Park area and uh building up a team from there pastor mark had asked me to go up there and so i left the lincoln park location and i i didn't go back to the midway location i went to you the tri taylor location <laughs> yes, because i thought did. i was like you know what i need a break my wife was asking like hey when's the last time you just sat with me at church right because i never sat <laughs> yeah. with my family you know it's kind of that that same yeah. thing you were talking about so I said, all right, we'll go to Tri Taylor. Nobody knows who we are there. We'll just be able to sit there and do nothing. It'll yeah. be great,
2: right? And uh, that lasted what two
1: weeks, totally, maybe. Actually, I have a picture with you sitting in the front row. Yeah, you know, with your whole family. And,
2: and here he is, a musician <laughs> among musicians. Yeah. yeah, So you were sniffed out real quick. Yeah, bro. it was it was
0: somebody from the location who knew us, and he's like, hey, oh, I told Pastor Danny that you know how to lead worship. I'm like. Why would
1: you do that? <laughs> because I was leading worship and preaching. Yeah, you were. You were. Yeah, I remember. For, that. for I was. I was. You talk about exhausted, and, and
0: I was being completely selfish. I was, you know, burnt out myself. I'm like, I don't want to help him. I just want to sit here with my wife, <laughs> yeah. you know. But that's where I remember uh, you, when you kind of stepped into pastoring at, at New Life. Boom! Another
2: yeah. unconventional uh, tidbit just came out there. I was uh, leading worship and preaching.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: another unconventional all the ducks weren't necessarily in a row it's Mm -hmm. not like we had this designated on staff worship leader and -hmm. a a full-time pastor no we were just Mm -hmm. trying to plant a church and if this is how we do it this is how we have to do it it's
1: it's the idea of um, you do whatever it takes right uh for uh, in order to fulfill the vision however if i I can just move back a little bit coming back from the old culture that I was in, which was drive, 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 leadership, 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 go, 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 sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. There was something different about what we were doing here. It felt different. Uh, it was different uh, where the, my attitude was, I'm going to sacrifice it all. And we just got to get, we just got to do what's got to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, so if that means praise and worship, it means praise and worship, raising up a worship team and pastoring and and preaching, you know. But there was something different. I believe what was different was I was within a team. Yep. Yeah. I was in a context of a team. I had support. Yeah. I had leadership that was leading me, uh, motivating me, and at the same time saying, "You got to pay the price. Yeah. You yeah.
2: got to do the work. Right. Got to do yeah. the work. It's good to take to take the hit. If yeah. I know that I have a team around me that's going to celebrate the win. Exactly with me. right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and there cool. were and so, I saw
1: nothing but wins. Which is motivating,
2: right? Absolutely. You know, it's,
1: yeah. I mean, the church was because I mean,
2: the, the sacrifice is energizing, yeah. as Opposed to draining. So if you're out there all by yourself making the sacrifices, there's nobody around you, mm-hmm. yeah, right, to mm-hmm. celebrate with you, then it's draining. But if there's people around you to celebrate, man, I'll slide into home and maybe yeah. bust an ankle, but man, we'll all be celebrating that we scored and we won the we won the World yeah. Series. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the case. And
1: so for me, that was very motivating, and I loved. Again, I work best in team. I love the team, uh, and I was just meeting. I was just learning who all the guys were. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was such a, 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 there was and is such a great sense of camaraderie, brotherhood, love, respect, yeah. which was mm-hmm. really important. There was, um, I felt a strong sense of um, we're all equals. No one is better than anyone. Yeah, I love that. I love, there's no sense of competition because I, I was looking for it. Because mm-hmm. again, the past three teams I was a part of, it was unhealthy. This was so healthy. We're all so different. Uh, uh, education uh, is different. I mean, there's smart guys, and then guys like me, you know. Um, <laughs> really, really smart guys. Yeah. <laughs> but it was beautiful because there was so much support. There was love. There was respect. There was teamwork, and that just motiv- motivated me to to work hard yeah. and to pay the price. So we went ahead and we we launched. Yeah. In October, and I was scared, but Pastor Mark. And Pastor Mark represents the team. Uh, Pastor Mark was there. He's constantly encouraging, uh, tapping me on the shoulder. Come on, let's do this. Let's try this. He weaned me in. Very smart man. He weaned me in. He just didn't throw me in cold turkey. I preached every other week. So I would preach here for one week, and then I'd preach at Tri-Taylor. So it was really interesting how he weaned me into the the aspect of uh, take on this location completely. Uh, I, I weaned you, and then we did it for about six months, and then all of a sudden he backed away, and then boom, I was in. Hmm. But then what's strange about that is, before, before uh, right after I started taking on Troy taylor all on my own, we got Humble Park.
3: Hmm.
1: And so, <laughs> so I'm just fresh in with Tri-Taylor, dust is settled, things are working, and then we have Humble Park. And then Pastor Mark gives me a call, I remember I was working on my bike, my um, bicycle on the porch, and he goes, hey, uh, we got an opportunity for this new church uh, in Humboldt Park. What do you think about pastoring that one, too. You know, whenever
2: you hear Pastor Mark say, hey, we have an opportunity, <laughs> yeah. it's a defining moment. You remember, I was standing here at this <laughs> <Yeah>. time 20 <laughs> years ago working on my bike yep. because I got a phone call from Pastor Mark say, hey, we have
3: an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. So, well, so
1: we, a, I look, we were thinking. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this, we were thinking about that. And so I told him the same thing. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, but as long as you help me, I'll do it. And we had Freddie a- a- along with us. And that's, that's a whole other story but um i uh, we went ahead and we launched Tri taylor in an italian that's little little italy because i guess there's two of them there's where you were at with melrose
2: yeah melrose is yeah we just it wouldn't be considered little Italy, but it was a lot of italians in yeah there, it's changed it's changing yeah
1: but well, Tri taylor is little italy and right. right where the the church was planted which was in hope academy that's that was the center of it, little italy and the medical district yeah mm-hmm. so we, we did mailers, we did the whole nine yards, and the launch was huge. It was, I think, two, we counted 253 in attendance. It was explosive, it was big, it was fast, it was hard. Man, it was a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next few weeks was critical, and we talked a lot about that. Uh, and then we begin to see, we, so there's usually, I think, a 40% drop because you have all the, the welcomers. Mm-hmm. So we landed somewhere around 150, 170 people for the next few weeks or the next couple of months, and then we begin to see drops, drop-offs. Mm-hmm. And one here's a few factors that we learned. Number one, um, our ch- our church, the, the people attending the church, did not live in the community. They were all commuters. Everyone came from west of Chicago, north of Chicago, south mm. of Chicago. Where everyone drove, and I mean everyone. Mm. Uh, I think I I don't think we actually had anyone attending Tri Taylor who actually lived in the community, maybe one or two students, but they lived on, at, at, on campus and they walked over or drove over. So that that was a huge aspect to begin. We see the, the attendance begin to drop every month. It just kept on dropping, dropping, dropping. Hmm. Uh, and that lasted for about six years until we, we went from 153 down, we got all the way down to like 40, I don't know, 45 in attendance. Yeah. And Oof. that's when I was, that's when I was, we had started your, your, uh, our, our BTC,
2: yeah, BTC, what's breaking through, through ceilings, ceiling. Break ceiling. breaking
1: through ceilings. So there were three aspects: um, uh, what's happening in the building physically that's causing you, us not to grow? What's happening administratively that's not causing us to grow? Or what's happening spiritually that's not causing us to grow? So I'm sure, for, uh, you
2: felt great about, uh, about yourself <laughs> no. you when know? I mean, you saw the attendance dropping every dropping,
1: Sunday. Dropping, dropping. I remember month after month, you no know, week after week, Sunday morning when I was seeing uh, people were leaving because they mm. were getting tired of the drive. Um, I think I, I left you too, didn't I? Yes, you did. I did, I Because did. you got this opportunity. But <laughs> that's another story that we don't want to take. <laughs> um, I started to feel like I was insignificant. I didn't matter. My, my talents and abilities weren't enough. Mm. And my prayer life, maybe I wasn't praying enough. Maybe I wasn't fasting enough. And I everything that you told me to do, all the techniques. I mean, everything. As your coach, as the yeah. coach, I remember I put it into practice. Everything you told me to do. I'm doing this. I'm trying this. Yeah. I'm trying that. Yeah. It's not working. We did flyers. We did everything. So we just should.
2: said, somehow we got to figure out how to get rid of Danny. Yeah, He's you know, that's that's our style, right? Yeah, uh no. One
1: one uh, one Monday afternoon, we had a pastor Mark called me in into this, uh, the into the the principal's office. You know. <laughs> And then we started talking about, we started looking at the numbers, and I would love to hear that in regards to numbers. We we don't focus, per se, on numbers, but we always say numbers tell stories. Mm-hmm. So the story is, is, that's telling us is something is not working. Yeah. Uh, and I worked hard with the school. I tried to build relationships with the school, uh, the, the administrative staff. I mean, I got along great with the people in the school. Hope Academy.
0: It was a cool spot too. I mean, man,
1: it, it's a great yeah. spot. It has everything that we need. However, there wasn't a good match between who we are as a, as Hispanic, uh, and I mean, most of the congregation was Hispanic and African American. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't working in this neighborhood. And we did everything. We did outdoor services. Mm. We did we did flyers. I tried to meet people from the community, uh, and no one would come. Mm. no one would come no yeah. one for years no one would come and i couldn't figure out why so we prayed uh, we prayed a little bit we had a lot of conversation the pastor mark says well you know what do you, what should we do so we he's in our conversation he said well let's start looking at other areas in the city where i as the the lead pastor could match per se yeah. a particular community so i was looking at going you know southwest hmm. uh Going farther west, like around, um, like twenty fifth, you know, uh, North Avenue, where mm-hmm. there were more Latinos, and then I was with my my elders. We pray. We met every fr- every Friday morning. My two lead elders. We met. We talked. We prayed. We pulled out a map, you know. And then uh, David Ortiz was my lead elder. He said, "Danny, he says, where did you grow up?" And I said, "Well, I grew up in Humble Park, uh, but we already had, already, already launched Humble Park West, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking more towards Logan Square and looked at the, the, the types of people, the Puerto Ricans and everyone who lived there, and I said, well, let's try that. Right. So again, going back to team, Mike Barry, who's the guru of Location Finder. Bulldog. Yeah. He had already started looking at different church locations for wow. me. And he found one, uh, Salem, mm-hmm. Salem Church in Logan Square. And we, and we had already gone to two other locations, and I said, I didn't like this one. So when we got to Salem, it just felt right.
2: Now, did you catch that? This is a value, a new life value that's not often articulated but important, is that we <clears throat> we never really think in terms of failure. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just not in our DNA. We don't think like that. And I, I thank God for that because what it does is it gives us opportunities to experiment mm-hmm. and not feel like I've failed. Now, if you were all by yourself, maybe that would have – ended and felt yeah. more like a failure instead it was how can we keep trying or what can we do differently yeah uh, failure is when you don't try at all right yeah. so here we have a very gifted pastor a uh, very gifted pastoral couple knows how to pull team together his preaching is a little bit muscle mantles you yeah. know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but uh, but here's a very gifted pastor, but and and we didn't lose, we didn't fail in that situation. We just needed to reevaluate yeah. it and mm-hmm. kind of readjust and move in a different direction. Yeah, that's real important mm-hmm. uh, from you know from a coaching standpoint. Uh, as you're trying to move a team, as soon as you start thinking in uh, as, in terms of failure, black and white failure, then you you're, you're short circuiting what God yeah. can do yeah. in a powerful way. It's not really how. I don't think how the Lord works. Sin is failure. Yeah. Uh, right. But when you don't, when you just give up, that's that's a different issue. So. Yeah,
1: and I think, and I'm thankful that we didn't give up. And it, it really started from Pastor Mark and your coaching, mm-hmm. and and John Latore and the other guys who were there. We also again team, the importance mm-hmm. of team. Mm-hmm. There was a support that was in, there was encouragement. There was well, let's try this. Let's possibly try that. Let's look at this. Mm-hmm. We just always tried different avenues. Because uh, even though there are great books, and, and I think you were studying at that time. Remember, you was, you were saying that you were studying the um, growth. I forgot the guy's name.
2: Mm, oh, Neil, Nelson Sears? Yeah, the Nelson yeah, Sears. Was- you, you
1: use a lot of his material, and mm-hmm. we tried it. You know, mm-hmm. for you, it, it worked in some in some areas, but in my context, it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And that's where we started asking questions, like, why isn't this working? we've started looking at the fact that culturally there wasn't just a healthy match yeah. yeah you know in this in this area so
0: so you go from being a youth pastor right and then you get the call to be a location or senior pastor you step into that you know really just you know willing to follow the lord into anything really mm-hmm. um, you know god does a change in both your heart and your wife's heart serene's and so you guys step into that try taylor you do that for a little bit and then uh, you know there's another shift Right. But it's still not a restart. This is all before you you even get to the restart. Yeah. You know, you end up in uh, Humble Park, which is closer to, uh, you know, to where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk us through now. You know, um, that door is even closing and the restart of New Life East Humble Park begins.
1: Yeah. When we moved into Salem, we saw a, a beautiful victory. Uh, it worked there. It just worked there. Uh, the location was right. The mix was right. Uh, people from the community were walking to, to to the church. We had a two-year contract. That contract ended. We didn't want to renew it, so I moved the church again mm. to a church down the street. Um, so we were there. Uh, same thing happened again. It was a wonderful launch. Uh, it just it was just the right. It was a good area. However, Logan Square was gentrifying. Quickly within three years. Mm. So according to the stats over seventy two thousand still seventy two hundred Latinos from Humboldt Park and Logan Square moved out. Mm. It was just a quick quick turnover. So I'm beginning to see more uh, uh, yuppies and young, young couples who are white and uh, So it was interesting for me to see what what this mix was, but the church still worked You know everything yeah. was working. We still were ministering to people and then we had uh challenges <laughs> with the building mm-hmm. the building was sold mm. uh and uh that's a long story but the building was sold and we were we had to move so i started looking where could we move i, I knew i wanted to stay in humble park it was just an area that i knew was healthy for us we had to stay in humble park so i'm looking at all different locations by then i learned a lot of things from mike barry and of course the team so i'm looking praying looking praying prayer walking and then couldn't find a healthy spot for us to move, uh, move into until we, f- through John Latorre and his wife, they had mentioned to me about Inner City Impact, and I didn't really want into I didn't want to go into a gym, man. I really didn't want a gym because you know all the, the problems, sound, and there was no parking, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a mess. Yeah. But uh, again, going back to team, I got some curtains from Don Kaufman. And we had talked about the aesthetics and how it's going to help it sound, and it was a perfect thing. Yeah. I bought the curtains. We set it up nicely. It was a right fit for us. We, we moved the church again. Thank you, Jesus. We didn't lose anyone. Mm-hmm. By the way, every time you move, you always lose a percentage. Yeah. That time we didn't lose anyone. The church was behind it. And, again, more people started coming to the church. It was just a beautiful situation. Great partnership with Inner City Impact. We were there for about a year and a half, two years Beautiful. I mean, perfect rent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were able to save money. We got out of debt. Uh, Everything was just right. The church was growing. It was healthy. And then we get the phone call.
2: Now, before,
3: uh, yeah, (laughs) the phone call. The phone call. Yeah, I have an opportunity. Hey, (laughs) exactly
1: right. So,
2: so I'm just curious. uh, You know, you have this this from the the story from Tri Taylor to to Salem, Mm -hmm. or actually, Inner City Impact, right? You know, the, the Tri Taylor didn't work there. Probably a socioeconomic kind of issue there mm-hmm. uh, that I would I would think not so much a church systems uh, issue, right? Because you tried all that. It wasn't the systems issue that was a, it was an issue. It was probably the socioeconomic thing. Mm-hmm. But what was God crafting in your heart from Tri Taylor to Inner City Impact? <laughs> so before you get into the phone call, I'm curious. I want to hear something vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. You know I, I'm curious what what was you know. I'm not going to ask you how many times you thought about quitting, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, because they're probably innumerable. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me, innumerable. But no, I'm just curious, you know, what was God crafting you? Because he's bringing you to a place, right? He's got you on this journey. And sometimes we realize it, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't. Sometimes yeah. it's yeah. not real evident. And other times it's like real evident. I'm curious if you were to put it in a couple words.
1: Man, I have to go back to when I was in Washington. I believe that the Lord called me to Washington. So I sold my house, me and my daughter.
2: It's all right, man. Urban, urban man put out yeah. there with the bears <laughs> and the pine trees. Yeah, yeah. That cracks me up.
1: Um, the day I got to uh, Washington, we I'm moving in. We're sitting in the living room. My wife and I, my wife is ecstatic. She's really happy. Just a beautiful, just Beautiful place. I mean, we're just an hour and a half from Mount Baker. It was Mm. opened up our front windows. Mount Baker, the Cascades. Mm. I'm sitting down. I I pull out a picture and I pull the wrapping from the picture and I see my family. I just broke. Mm. I just wept and wept. That was the beginning of six months, seven months of straight crying, Mm. just crying, Mm. because I missed home. I missed my kids, and I'm thinking, what did I get into? I thought I made the biggest mistake in my life. Now God moved in miraculous ways with the work that I was doing there, but I knew I didn't fit. Right. So I moved my family back. Now all that to say that when I was, when we moved from Tri Taylor to Salem, some of those feelings came, mm-hmm. but I just knew in in this situation, I was in the right. I was in the right place because I was with a. a I had my family. I'm in the, the concrete jungle. I understand city, however, uh, the city is always evolving, changing, and yeah. moving. Uh, you can't say this, this, but it's just, it's just it's a weird animal. And I had a strong support from a good team. And so every move I made, what was being crafted in me was uh, take risks, but you're not alone. Hmm. Right. Take risks, this we're taking a chance but look what the lord has done see we have some from that time we had you know 11 or 12 or 13 locations that we see god activity i love how you always say that look for the god activity i had reference points to look back to look what the lord did so there was a sense of look with jesus uh keep on raising up your team motivate your team stay open constantly talk about what's going on your fears um and just take a risk. I remember when we were sitting in Salem, we had to rebuild the Salem auditorium. We had we had a, I spent $8,000, man. We had to raise $8,000. Uh in, in in a rented facility. It was oh, wow. ours in a rented facility. We had to rebuild the men's bathrooms because mm. they were they were bad, the women's bathrooms, the foyer, um For that, for that grand opening, we had to do so much
0: work. Think about that. You're you're putting money into a rental home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we never got to thank you, but okay, we don't want to go there. (laughs) Amen. But uh, (laughs) but all of it was because of that first day, and we got pictures of it. Man, when the launch took off, man, it was it was explosive, and
2: and 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 you see that from the backdrop of that dark time and moment in Seattle. Yeah. that season of crying and tears and doubt and uh, just feeling like what in the world and now that you're in this place you're able to kind of see things more clearly now that you're out of Egypt so to speak yeah but you don't forget it you don't forget what no. God delivered you from so even in this moment where you're being crafted in the, in the crucible mm-hmm. of shifting and changing and try tailored, it didn't really blossom into what you thought it would be mm-hmm. now you're now you're an inner city impact and, and not knowing uh, knowing that God's crafting things as you go along, yeah. uh, and and moving you towards in His providence, eventually what would be a, a marvelous restart. Yeah. But and God, God using all that to bring clarity. Yes. So you're looking through through the lens of this dark moment in Seattle and yeah. some other uncertainties. But it wasn't as dark because you remember, no. okay, God took me out of that situation, yeah. out of Egypt, yeah. so to speak. Yeah,
1: and, and and we don't have control, John. We don't. Right. We don't have control. Mm. I remember sitting in in the in the auditorium a week before the the launch and one of my elders was scared because he, he did a lot of work in the building and we only had like 40 people in our congregation at the time and I remember him looking at me and thinking, Pastor Danny, this is not gonna work. No one's gonna come with us. No one's gonna come. And I started believing in him. This is my one of my lead elders. <laughs> and I pushed back. I had to, I had to push back. I'm like, you can't tell me that we just spent eight grand <laughs> Two months of working in this building and now you're telling me it's not going to work, you know? And I remember we got into a fight, uh, or not a fight, an First argument, fight? Oh, uh, yeah, we got into an argument. You no, this guy's, him? No, this guy's like 6'2", football, you know, you <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. you it. No. <laughs> no, I remember he was, he was scared. And I think what he was telling me was, Paz, Jenny, I'm afraid, mm. yeah. what do you think? And uh, that was a critical moment for me with my lead elder and my team. <laughs> that pastor Danny's crazy. I don't, we don't know what he's doing, but he's the lead guy. Yeah. And so at that moment, um, I had to tell him, listen, (laughs) I had to do this like big motivational speech while at the same time thinking, oh crap, (laughs) he might be right. You know?
0: (laughs) But you know what? I think it's one of those key moments, you know, when you think about, um, moments of change or, where God was developing you in in that moment to to turn to your lead elder and to really speak faith yeah. and vision mm-hmm. into something that doesn't um doesn't tell the same story maybe through just the lens of what you see. Yeah. Like that's a huge thing that you you were doing right there and and even if the Lord was using your own mouth to encourage you. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're when you're you're telling yeah. yourself the same thing you're <laughs> telling somebody else. Um I think that's huge, you know, cuz I remember you know, I've only been on a team for four years now as a, as a location pastor. But um, early on, I remember, um, and this is probably before Inner City. I can't remember exactly when it was, but uh, maybe in between Salem and, and that other church. There was another kind of like hard time, man. I remember I remember us praying for you as a team, you know, and, uh, and just thinking about all those things that, that God was using mm-hmm. in your life to get you to the place right now, which is, is not a piece of cake, you know, and I want to, I want to get into that, you know, because I think, I think part of what we're talking about, we're talking about restarts, but I think it's important to, to kind of get a backdrop.
1: Yeah. What what was happening there? We had moved now from Salem to Humboldt and things started falling apart at Humboldt. Um, People were leaving. I I don't know what was happening. Hmm. I mean, I, I, at that time we are NGLs. I had six guys in my NGLs. What's the NGO? Next Generation Leaders. We so I was I was mentoring. So like Timothys. Yeah, a bunch of with Timothys, and for some crazy with it was and all, everything happened within a span of about a year and a half. Mm. Uh, people just started leaving, and I couldn't understand why, and it started affecting me. Mm. And I think what I was doing was I was started working way too hard in trying to keep people. Mm. So I was mentoring six guys. Uh, phew, Uh, taking care of the location uh, asking questions as to why are we losing money and then the buildings being sold Uh, I don't know where to go Uh, I I don't know what to do and then at that time I was I was ashamed there was a sense of shame because I didn't I didn't really tell anybody and the team Mm. that was a big mistake I didn't really tell anyone in the team what was happening inside of me Mm. and my fears and uh my sense of failure because people were just people were just leaving and i don't know and i was like why are people leaving critical leaders ngls were leaving yeah you know and then i was at that time we were working on doing a launch with one of my ngls my main guy uh whom i married uh and walked through, through him, and then man, we're, we are, we had all these plans where we're going to launch in Hermosa, and I'm thinking, yeah, at least at least I'm going to have one big win. Yeah. We were months away from the launch, and then this guy, just out of the blue, uh, tells me, uh, my wife and I decided on leaving, and we're leaving next week. Mm. And uh, boom. Yeah, it was like getting hit. I remember with that. the baseball bat. So, but everything was just accumulate it was everything was just working up to that one moment and I just completely broke. Mm. It's like, enough is enough, I'm done. Um, I remember he looked at me and I hate these words, uh, Pastor, we love you, but. Mm. And I and I know always told him, because for last year I kept on getting people, Pastor we love you, but. And I remember telling him, I hate those words. I hate those words. And he went ahead and he used those (laughs) words on me. And I looked at him. I gave him a nasty look and said, you know what? Shut up. (laughs) You know, just shut up. Because I was so angry. And he was on video. (laughs) And he up and walked. And I just cried by myself. And I made a phone call my lead elder. And uh, just crying. And I told him, I quit out loud. I just kept on saying it over, over. I quit. I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm spent. It's mm. over. I'm, mm. And he, at that moment, he didn't say anything. He just started praying. Mm. He just started praying. He started praying. And for about 10 minutes, all he did, I'm saying, I quit. I'm done. I'm finished. This is too much. I can't. Oh, hallelujah. Oh God. And he's just praying. And praying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I said, you know what, man, I'll talk to you later. Thank <laughs> God you have an
2: elder like that. Yeah. Amen. Man, quit, man.
1: And then I just, I went home. I shut everything. I just closed. I went home. This was on a Monday.
2: Got in a fetal position. <laughs> I Got sat a on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I sat on the
1: couch, and then I called um, my other elder, Dwight, and I did the same thing. He picked up the phone, and, and it was a soft conversation. He says, what's wrong, And I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just struggling. And he goes, and then he started kind of giving me some kind of a motivational speech, and I said, you know what? I'm done i quit and i told him the story and he goes, like, what are you talking about i said you know i'm done i've and i'm crying i'm finished i'm done i'm tired of all this people are leaving da, da, da. and then he started kicking into this uh he just started preaching to me man he starts <laughs> dropping the word and then he said uh, he told he reminded me of a message that i preached a few months oh man that. that's good and he said i said okay dwight and it's almost like he l- talked me off the ledge. Mm. The Lord spoke through him Praise God and, for uh, amen. Praise yeah. the Lord for elders. Yeah. And then he prayed real quick for me. And then I called my wife and then my wife, uh, when I told her, you know, what, I'm thinking about quitting. Now I changed the verbiage. I think I'm thinking <laughs> about quitting. Uh, I'm tired. And he told her the story. And then she looked at me, she, you know, she on the phone, she says, well, Danny says, she says, um, uh, what's your option or uh, what's, what, what's your plan? What's your plan?" I said, what's your plan? I said, Well, I don't have a plan. And she goes, well, then, then we can't quit. I said, but I want to quit. She says, but you don't have no plan. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I was like, man, I don't know. (laughs) know? (laughs) That's why I want (laughs) to (laughs) quit. But a half an hour later, she came home and I was, again, having a pity party and beat myself up. And she sat right next to me and she had two sheets of paper and they were all full of scriptures. (laughs) <laughs> and all she did was just read mm. the word. Praise God. She just read scripture after scripture pertaining to failure, loss, mm. you know, all that. She mm. just read the scriptures to me and and we just held hand and prayed. Mm. And I said, Okay, fine, fine, I'm not gonna quit. Mm. Let's just let's just keep on going and then we'll see what happens. So
2: And here you are today on yeah. a podcast. Tell telling the audience. Yeah,
1: because I was serious. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, this this stuff. Well, oh, I think we I think we
0: grossly underestimate just how many people pastors, especially in this this last year, you know, nineteen months, who have repeatedly thought about quitting. Mm-hmm. Some have, some yeah. have, you know, and I I really do believe you know this is kind of a faith yeah. uh, faith belief right now that like there's somebody who's going to be watching this right now, Danny, hearing this story. Um, and this is gonna be the shot in the arm to just remind them that it's God who's faithful, yes, right? Yep. it's God who's perfect, it's God who's sovereign, um, and we just need to continue to have that mindset of, okay, I'll do it <laughs> mm-hmm. if you don't leave me, if you don't leave me, if you help me, I'll go, yeah, right, and um, and that really is you know uh kind of the base for how you came into this restart, you know, which I, I kind of want to enter into now. You know, we, we got all this backstory and it's, uh, it's one of great successes and really hard challenges, both you know, uh, um, ministry-wise, but also emotionally-wise, yeah. right? And then uh, and what happened? How did you get the call for this, this restart at East Tumble Park?
1: Well, we were at Inner City Impact and everything was, God just literally turned everything around. I created a prayer list and I still have it, it's my little prayer book that I formed from that whole incident. I, in a sense, I like rebuilt myself. Hmm. I just decided I'm gonna do this, this, this differently. I pulled back from the amount of work I was doing, from the amount of mentoring that I was doing. I pulled back and I created a Sabbath day. Tuesdays became my fasting and prayer Sabbath day. I just sought the Lord. We launched Interceding Impact and God answered every prayer. I mean, we were like forty thousand dollars in debt. I mean, nothing was working, and just God turned it all around when we moved to ICI, and it was just beautiful. Everything was just beautiful. I was happy. Everyone was happy. Everything turned around, and all of a sudden, I get the I get the call from Pastor Mark, and um, or was it you? I can't remember. It was it was you or Pastor Mark. One of you guys called me Probably and said, wanted. "Oh, it was you. Yeah. It was you," because you said, "You know what, Danny?" Um, and nothing was for sure yet. It says, "I want to bring you in." On a, on a restart situation, and I want you to just kind of observe and just learn.
2: Yeah, that was the first phone call. It was a Zoom call.
1: Yeah. Right. No, it no, was, no, no, no. It was it was a location. Of, we went to go look at the building.
2: Okay. okay. That, that's when I came. Oh, okay. in. By
1: then, you had already been talking.
2: To I had been talking with them for for six months. months. Yeah. Kind of quietly, didn't make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Only a few people knew. So we
1: went in. Uh, and I would known about this building, and I had known about the church. Uh, and it was like, I don't know, an eighth of a mile away from where we're at, a very short distance. So I went and just, just literally just to come alongside of you and watch you and Pastor Mark talk t- to their elder board and everything. And then I think we did that twice. The second time we went was uh, I think the full elder board, and then that's when my name was dropped uh, for the possible... Uh, lead pastor for this building now i'm sitting there looking at all these <laughs> latinos knowing about the church and their culture and in my mind i'm thinking oh no 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 i i don't want to get into this because i know everything behind the
2: the expectations that come along yes
1: with, uh... yeah and their cultural differences the the church style and, and, and you everything. don't speak Spanish,
2: and I, I speak Spanglish, yeah. <laughs> Spanglish, Spanglish, <laughs> which and, is and, weird oh, expectations yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: all these people are looking at me uh, uh, and observing me and saying, well, can you do this and can you do that?" And and I was like, "Oh Lord!" And I'm looking at you and Pastor Mark and thinking, "Jesus!" And I'm looking at the building, excited about the building, but like, ah, I like. ICI, yeah. everything's nice at ICI, man. We're good at ICE. We're growing. Everything's nice.
2: And here, here, you know what, what, what I'm observing is the tension, the difference in tension between a Tri Taylor, which is like a classic church plant, mm-hmm. and and the expectations and tensions that comes with that versus a restart. Yeah, restarts are very unique. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of relational tension potentially. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of expectations that need clarification, and, yeah. and kind of manage those expectations as you go along. Because
0: yeah. sometimes you step on a landmine, but you didn't know that you stepped on a landmine. <laughs> right. You don't know you stepped on it until yeah. you step on it, right? Right. Right. But or, uh,
2: but
1: I knew that there were man- landmines there. Oh yeah. I knew that there were. I just don't know landmines, where they were. cows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 so.
0: <laughs> so you get the call. You get invited into the into the uh, conversations, you know, and then things progress, and there's some green lights. We're feeling. Uh, on a new life side, we feel like, yes, this is something we should do. Um, you are now uh, um, appointed to be the lead pastor here for this location, right? And, and thus begins the process of, of bringing this marriage together, right? Where the, the congregation that is existing and the congregation that you're bringing, right, uh, is mm-hmm. coming together. Talk to us about, from your perspective as the location pastor, man, what was that like?
1: well we when we decided that this was a green light pastor john kept on reminding me uh, danny you're, you're you you got to make sure that you build these relationships focus on your he said in other words he was telling me just work your gifts my gift is shepherding my gift is networking my gift is people i do well with people he says and we'll take care of the rest you know however he would he was making sure that that I still I was still making decisions along with things that were being done. In other words, I love the way John was able to keep me in, in in the loop strongly while giving me the permission to keep on doing what I do best. So I started now. Mind you, the pandemic we're in the middle of a pandemic, so this is now where where we're people are wearing masks and the social distancing and everything. And then I talked to my 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 leadership team and brought them into what was happening and told them that I was going to be missing every other week. So I started preaching at the the new location so that I could introduce myself and introduce my preaching style and introduce new life to the people who were there. And there were probably about 50 to 60 people who were in this congregation. And so I just was being me. And And then I'm preaching through an interpreter, knowing that, 90% 90% of the people in this congregation all speak fluent English, mm. but they wanted to keep Spanish, you know? It's a sacred cow. Oh, it's a sacred cow. And the building was a sacred cow, and the but the culture was the cow. I mean, that we can't lose this. And I started seeing that and feeling that, and I didn't know what to do with that. Mm. I didn't know what to do with that. And uh, so I just kept on praying and kept on preaching and meeting people and navigating this Very important relationship with the two uh, intern pastors who were very uh, interesting people. They're powerful people, Um, and I had to I had to learn how to, and this was so hard, learning how to massage this relationship, Mm -hmm. so that we can so that we can keep going forward, Mm -hmm. but yet not be. not stepped on but
2: well yeah you know here's the thing you know when you inherit a culture like that and there's some really strong very faithful leaders Mm -hmm. that kept the church in uh kept it alive yeah yeah there's a legacy there provided leadership there for for years kept the place a ministry center um super super faithful people Mm -hmm. uh love those folks Mm -hmm. and um but you know with that sometimes comes it's hard to release you know it's hard Mm -hmm. to release because there's our identities are wrapped up into Mm -hmm. things and just the, the sense of wanting to make sure that that people that you're leaving are, are going to be okay yeah. and healthy and and those are admirable things but there does come a point where you have to release it and that's hard for the pastor mm-hmm. who's highly relational trying to navigate that world so you're recognizing on one hand great faithful strong leaders god god wants to move this thing to a different level there and you're trying to you're trying to be the change agent there and that mm-hmm. tension point can be can be difficult at times. Yeah. But praise God, his faithfulness comes through, right? It, it did. Did you feel any kind of a sense of empowerment, supernatural empowerment from God as you were, as you were navigating those relationships, like <laughs> wisdom or, or at least getting on your knees? To-
1: there were two situations where both my, because my wife was heavily involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she and I, on two occasions, experienced the presence of the Lord in a strange way, I can't say we felt his spirit, it's the peace and you know the, the mm-hmm. angels singing. It wasn't like
2: that. <laughs> it was an equipping. It, it was
1: an equipping it was a dark time because both and I, she and I were so angry uh, because of these meetings that we came out of, and we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. and we knew that there were some wrong feelings, thoughts that were in our hearts that were coming so in, in the car. Um, Is
2: that when you went for a triple cheeseburger? Yes, yes, yes.
1: It was about ten Comfort thirty at night. I, I'm, I'm an emotional eater. Hey, <laughs> so I remember it, that. Confession. It was a burger. It was a it's Burger like King. I don't know. Any, I don't know anything about that type of stuff you know, at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we just like we just would be in the car and we just started praying and we would we would, to both of us we were saying okay I'm feeling this I'm feeling this and we know it's not healthy so let's pray hmm. let's pray. Yeah. and we would deal with it I, I would I wish I would can say God took it away but what the Lord did he walked through the sh- this valley of the shadow death he walked through and he helped me constantly remember uh, this is just a season mm-hmm. you know yeah. but but we're learning But now we're, we're always looking at what's the end game what's what's what what's the possibilities that can happen
0: yeah so in a restart situation right there's going to be um you're the agent of change, right as a location pastor, this is your perspective. You have a team that's coaching you and you got um, you know you got, a, you got a team of pastors, essential services that is helping you through all of these different um, aspects of, of being ready. but there's an emotional spiritual um, responsibility that you have to be that agent of change. No mm-hmm. one can do that for you, mm-hmm. right? You're the guy leading the charge. and um, so how, how did you deal? and I, I realize this is all still current. Right? And you, you had to face these things early on. But how did you deal with uh, conflicting tastes and maybe values like things like worship? I, you know, John, you talked about changing worship and how that went. Mm-hmm. There was a whole uh, uh, yeah. group of people that, that met for you, or youth ministry, or other programs that were pre existing where there was going to be a shift. Uh, you know, and how yeah, did you do that? It
1: had to be, in this situation, we had to do it very softly, carefully. Uh, Gabriel, my, my son, was the worship leader, uh, he, he would come with me when I would speak at uh, at this new location and so it's so we were slowly introducing the way we worship at New Life a lot of worship not that they didn't but the style of worship and the style of music was different it was predominantly English and so we were so we were softly doing that, and then we. His wife can sp- sing in Spanish, so she came a couple of times. So therefore, we were able to sing in English and sp- sing in Spanish and worship in a manner where we included them in with the way that we worship at New Life mm. uh, at at our location. And so the, therefore, the people were like, "Okay, I like this. I like this." Uh, so it was very slow and very. Uh, we did it as carefully as we could. However, we knew that it was different, yeah. and they knew it was different.
0: So you kind of knew we, we use this term and I would like to define a little bit like sacred cows. Talk to me about what does that mean? Someone listening. Sacred cows yeah. uh,
1: and there are different types for them. It was their culture because the sacred cow is a, is, a, is a source of comfort, familiarity. This is the way we do things. This is this is our thing. This is our identity. And here you're coming in and you you can take this away. And if you take it away, you're taking away our identity yeah. or the way we do things. And so there was a lot of pushback uh, from um, for even from the congregation, from a number of the of the congregants. Who I were coming think in.
0: I think the biggest thing or maybe one of the biggest things is I just think about it. You know, um, every every restart is going to face or even even church, you know, um, restart is going to is going to face these sacred cows. And I think think the problem or the the challenge for the pastor going in is is the mission is to make disciples mm-hmm. right um and and you mentioned this earlier it was it was um the methodology was what was loose right mm-hmm. um the mission was solid and so sometimes when we think if our if we're fixated on identity rather than uh, the mission of the church we can get lost in these things that really aren't aren't as important as the, the, the mission of the gospel of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ in that community, Mm -hmm. right? But community, uh, gospel work, evangelism, Mm -hmm. making disciples, these are really important things. Um, how did you navigate, you know, shepherding and teaching this congregation to, to hold in higher value what really is important?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The, what I had done once we, once we obtained the location, I, or, or just before we, fully got the location, I had three meetings with the, the leadership team of the, of the church and then our leadership team. And so, well, my first meeting was just with their leadership team, all the leaders, the ministry leaders that, had, that, they, that they had left. So I, I was able to sell them or at least share my heart with them and what I believed to be true. And, 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 not, and I, I wasn't changing anything but I was just coming along and saying, this is a win, this is a win, this is a win. Hmm. You know, that we agree on all these things, ministry, worship, uh, children's, blah, 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 you know. Uh, and and we have resources that can help um, fine tune or sharpen what we're already doing. Right. Again, we go, we wanna honor what they've been doing. I'm not taking anything away. Yeah. We're just bringing more resources that they didn't have. Yeah. And they were welcoming all the resources that we were bringing. So that was a win. My next, my next two meetings, were with both teams combined. And then again, we, we shared vision, gave them, uh, let them know, man, we're, we're heading this direction. Uh, man, what, look, at, look at what we have. I think there were, I don't know, 40, 50 people who are all leaders. I'm thinking, look at all this potential. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, praise God. And everyone got excited. We did a survey. Everything was, was positive and we were excited. Both, both teams were excited. And by the, la- by the third meeting, I, started, I, I kept on using the word family. Mm-hmm. Family, family, family. We're a family. Because that's part of our mission. We're a family of love. And this is what we practice. So everyone was in. Everyone was bought in. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we got the location. We had a big... Uh, the big Sunday where that we we they signed the papers. They gave me the keys. They gave, it was cute because they gave me a domino set. You know, uh, never you know never forget. Let's keep on playing. Oh yes, I love it. That that was really cool. That's
0: huge too, especially in like uh, Hispanic culture, Puerto yeah. Rican. Yeah, dominoes, you know, man. dominoes, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So that it was it was huge. Yeah. Did you catch the the leadership principle there? Big one. It's uh, what John Maxwell calls momentum or yes. Big Mo. When Big Mo momentum is in the house you can you can institute cha- changes a lot easier you can slay the sacred cows yeah. a lot easier when you have momentum when there's positive movement and energy yeah. it's like people are saying okay well it doesn't really matter what color the carpet is because right. we have people to win to Christ right. it doesn't really matter if we have a portable baptistry and there's water splashing around and that we're making messes that's good you know so that's the key yeah. leadership principle that I'm hearing from you on that yeah
1: And and, and these were the changes that it did make were aesthetic in the in in the sanctuary, which everyone in the sanctuary welcomed because they didn't like everyone did not like the changes that were made, I think, five or six or seven years prior. Mm -hmm. Everything was dark. It was more theatric. It was just the colors were, I mean, they were not happy with what was there. So we came in. And I we, saw
0: the before pictures, and I saw when you guys were kind of going through the whole construction, you know. And yeah, so they were really work, yeah.
1: excited about the changes. There were positive changes. Uh, and, and everything looked brighter, and so they welcomed that. But again, we have to go back to that sacred cow. Yeah. There were still a large portion of the people who remained who still didn't want to let go of that cultural safety net hmm. that I worked with? I mean, we still kept. We, we did a bilingual service for them. We we I went in and I fulfilled all of my promises to the to the lead pastors who were leaving, and to the leadership. I mean, to the T, I, I I fulfilled all of them. But when we launched the second service, which wasn't which was bilingual, little by little they stopped coming. And I I I learned that what they wanted what what it what was they wanted what was always there, even if it was unhealthy. Hmm. Even if it was unhealthy. When I learned that, I was I was amazed. Hmm. But we were already in and we were moving forward. Yeah. And I fulfilled all my all all of the promises. I encouraged. I did everything I could to meet with these people, to love them. And so good, good news to yeah them.
2: and through that you know there's a lighthouse that continues on mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a, a space that could have very very well become condominiums yeah you know, yeah um, gentrified community yeah
0: like continuing mm-hmm. the legacy you know i think about yes. i think about the location that i'm at right now and um you know new life homer Glen is really it's 188 years old it's beautiful. wow This church started in 1833 Mm, mm. you know there's a capstone in the building that says 1883 1833 to 1952 that's when this the building had burned down and they rebuilt it but and it's gone through a different couple different you know names Uh, but now it's new life community church but it's built upon the legacy of those that were faithful yeah and i'm sure there were tons of you know things that other pastors before me had to deal with the sacred cows of that nature Um, but that's when you're doing a restart, that's so fresh. It's not something that we should say, oh, it might happen.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. It
0: will happen, Mm -hmm. right? You're doing a restart. You're going to face, um, the challenges of sacred cows and, and, and being an agent of change, right. For the good of, of the gospel in that community. Yeah. Right. You're going to have to make hard decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you, you love, the, you love the people, right? You shepherd the people, you honor the legacy, mm-hmm. but you still might in the end, have to make a decision, uh, to be an agent of change, to lead that congregation to what we'll say, um, uh, uh, health for the community, uh, 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 you know, to be that lighthouse mm-hmm. that shines bright in, in a dark community maybe.
1: Yeah. Being an agent of change means for, for me as a location pastor, in this specific location in this community is we are we're watchmen we, we can see what others cannot see that's our job is to stay close to God stay close to what's happening in culture and what's happening in what's I mean this community is clearly gentrifying and I had to try to help these people understand listen everything's changing mm. but the gospel Will always remain the same. Right. We're going to reach these people, but it's a different season now. Every but there was there was a group of people who refused to see what's changing because they didn't want to lose what was safe for them. Mm-hmm. You know, but I had to kind of constantly talk about it, and talk about it, and let them know. Be listen, you're part of this story. You're part of this movement. You're part of a family. You're part of this change that's happening in the community. Be a part of. Join us. Join us. God is moving. Let's move with God. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. so, so many of them have left, mm. and we have a remnant of about twenty mm-hmm. who stayed and who who are loving what they're seeing. I mean, the ch- the location is growing beautifully. Yeah. It's healthy. It's strong. It's moving in the pandemic. That's what's blowing my yeah, mind.
2: And and one of the things that you you know as a location pastor you probably know this but there's several sacred cows that are slain before you even uh, enter, the, enter the scene as a lead uh, launch pastor. For example, the name. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a non-negotiable. When we're, when we're navigating through the, uh, the idea of merging together and doing a restart, we address the name. So if it's mm-hmm. First Baptist of Melrose Park, it's, it's going to be now a New Life Community Church or mm-hmm. affectionately known as New Life Elgin or New Life Homer yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, the way that we provide leadership in the church, it's going to be past every one of our locations has a lead pastor, but also has an elder team, which you've mm-hmm. referenced very helpfully mm-hmm. several yeah. times in this conversation has an elder team and it's led by the pastor and the elders. There, mm-hmm. there isn't a congregational vote. There isn't uh anything like that it's more of a it's basically a biblical approach to church leadership and Mm -hmm. governance that's a non-negotiable something that you don't have to you don't have to fight that battle (laughs) it's something that we clarify as we go through uh the process so those are there's a a lot of different types of sacred sacred cows that we address on the front end that are just non negotiables these are deal breakers if we're not gonna you know if we're gonna go or we're not gonna go Mm -hmm. so Yeah. That's good to know.
0: Traditions and practices, you know, tend to be those sacred cows, you know, uh, whether it's the traditional type of music that we used to worship with, you know, and then you go into a contemporary um, or the language or the the stylistic things, or um, sometimes it is the plaque on the wall, you know, Mm -hmm. that you can't touch because of what it represents. Yeah. Um, You know, and those, those, those types of sacred cows. And, you know, some are... Some need to be, I would say, led to pasture quickly, and others you you do them over time. Like you didn't yeah. remove that plaque, you know, in that picture, hallway, yeah. that picture until mm-hmm. years later, yeah. mm-hmm. right? right? Why? Because it really didn't affect what you were there to do for the work of the gospel, right. and you were able to build around that before you were, to build the momentum, so to speak, right?
2: right? Um, and I recognize, you know, there were things that they were kind of, telltales nobody ever told me to not take that down right but i knew to take it down was a message so i kept it up for like seven years or whatever mm-hmm. the number was i don't remember but i do know that when that pastor passed he was the pastor there for 40 years in melrose Park. Mm. i do know that when he did pass his wife used the insurance money to buy a steeple to put on so if you go oh, by new wow. life melrose there's a big beautiful steeple i think it's like amazes me it's been through so many wind storms and lightning <laughs> strikes and it's still there but it was the insurance money of the pastor Wow. who pastored there That's for 40 beautiful. years now i'm not going to take his picture down i don't care it's just gonna yeah. stay up there for as long as we need to and he's a, there's a beautiful wonderful uh story and history behind that mm-hmm. yeah uh so
1: yeah and we honor the stories we yeah. thank
2: god for the stories amen brother
0: you know you know he, here's an inevitable thing as well you know uh you've mentioned that there's no restart. There's not a cookie cutter method to restart. Every one of them is different yeah. right. and unique. Right. And we have to massage through different things. And sometimes that means walking away from a situation. Right. Um, but sometimes you get into a situation. We, we accept the responsibility of, of, of doing a restart. Right. And we are we're responsible for God before God's people to, to love them and care for them. Um, and, uh, maybe we would have done things differently right uh or we walk into a situation like ah i didn't really handle that well Mm -hmm. um mistake right was made or or um you know i remember um this is not about a restart but i remember one time i was leading worship for a team one of our locations and i was just uh you know i'm a i'm a kid from the south side going to a north side location right i know some of the people on the on the team but i don't know everybody And someone put into the um, bulletin uh, special guest worship leader Eric Marquez and his band, right? And one of the worship leaders who was serving with me saw it and was like, oh, so we're your band huh and i was like oh i was like i was like i have no clue who said that i did not tell them to put that there like that has nothing to do with me right and kind of like these missteps that you know were well they they meant well yeah right <laughs> they really messed me up man. <laughs> like you know and uh, Had nothing to do with if i that. could go back i would not put that in the bulletin yeah. right and what, what are those moments when it comes to restarts you're like man you know what I would have handled that differently if I could get that back. You know, maybe, John, you can speak to that, too. Or it's like it it wasn't that it ended bad. Obviously, the restart still happened. But, man, I think I learned this valuable lesson Mm -hmm. through this situation. I think someone would really benefit from not just our wins, but maybe from our our, uh, stumbling through things.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I think a lesson, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned out of this is my own personal biases Mm -hmm. that I had even towards my own culture. Mm. That was a big lesson for me. I, and I, thank God for school. I'm learning so much. I'm, I'm in school at Baki right now. One of the books from my last semester that I read had to deal with my own selfish biases because I felt safe in who I am and in my identity. And now I'm in this, this I'm, I'm in, I'm just surrounded about around Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and all they do is speak Spanish and I feel like an outsider, yet I'm supposed to be an insider huh. culturally. I'm supposed to know Spanish. I'm supposed to, you know, and they're all looking at me thinking, you're supposed to, you know, why aren't you speaking Spanish? So what I would do is I would start speaking Spanish, trying to fit in. Mm. <laughs> and then I have a mental roadblock because I can't remember that word. <laughs> and then I get angry then I get embarrassed and then I feel small. I mean, this happened over and over and over again, and so I start. Now I'm getting mad at these people because I feel like I'm supposed to be like that because I'm Puerto Rican. I mean, this just happened every single week mm. uh, until finally, in the midst of this class, I saw it in me, and and I'm and I almost I was almost racist towards Latinos, mm. and I'm Latino. Yeah. Um, and I had to come to the Lord with that and ask him to forgive because I'm getting angry at these people, which means now I'm going to pull back. And I don't feel like shepherding you mm. because you're making me feel like this. Uh, i mean, you're making me feel bad. You're making me feel small and you don't even know it. Mm. And, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So I started, so I downloaded Duolingo. There you go, <laughs> and I got I got uh, how many days? Like sixty days. I'm just every day, I'm practicing and practicing, and I'm speaking more. Not even while I'm preaching, I I I'm, I've remembered so many words. I'll throw you know one or two sentences out in Spanish, and it's cool because all the Latinos now are looking at me like. But you know, by ba, Pastor Danny Obaya, you know, it's like he's doing it, and so I was able to build a bridge. Yeah, and they know that I'm trying, and they know that I want to learn. They know that I, I I'm dealing with this my own issue, yeah. and and not because I want to be better. What I want is just I want to build a bridge so that we can be one. We can be a family. Yeah. And if this is what it takes, I'm willing to do it. You know. Yeah. And so that has been able to bring. The people from this new location closer, those who stayed, they they're now closer. And there one lady walked up to me about a month ago, and it, she was she stood far from me for a while. One day she came up to me after service and she said, first of all, she says, Pastor Danny, you are my pastor. Mm. Mm. That was huge. Yeah. Huge. She says, You are my pastor. She says, and I'm so proud of you that you're trying. Mm. I almost started crying good. thinking, wow. That, that was a big win. Yeah big win um, for something for a bias that I had to deal with on my own yeah
0: yeah that's great John what about you man something that you've I mean I know you've done everything perfect over the years so (laughs) it's gonna be really hard to find something (laughs) uh,
2: I think you know a lot of it you know you could point to one or two different circumstances I'll share one circumstance but I think uh, ultimately frankly speaking and this is not just an area of Restarts, but just generally speaking, as a pastor and a leader, um, it's just my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. And when you uh, are in a leadership crucible, especially in the context of a change agent, as a change agent, and it's easy to um, just allow your insecurities to blind you or create a false narrative. That's really just not true, mm-hmm. mm. and if you can't get that remedied, you're going to run into troubles. I think that insecurities unchecked, un a, a mind that's not transformed or renewed, a life that's not transformed because there's no mind renewal, um, will eventually trip a pastor up in a very serious way. So I think mm-hmm. just, just more. I would I would approach it more, just less uh, taking taking myself a little less seriously. Uh, being, being all about mind renewal more so, uh, entering into relational situations, you know, like I'm inheriting elder teams too. They're, you know, sometimes in a restart you will inherit an elder team. Mm-hmm. Functionally, they may not be defined as an elder team that you've actually picked at that time, but functionally you still need a team to help you lead the church even through the transition. Uh, so you know, but with that comes different expectations and a lot of transitions. So you can come out at the end of that, man. If you're not right, you can come out at the end of that a little bit jaded. Yeah. And so you got it. I think just that tightness with the Lord and uh, and kind of going into it with just a more of a mature mindset. I kind of know what I'm getting into now. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk to other pastors, I, I just I really try to tell them. I was talking to a pastor the other day about restarts. And I said, just know what you're getting into. And here's what you're getting into, man and i just painted the i painted the picture so you'd see it clearly you're getting under the engine here you know you're getting underneath the car and seeing all the crud and the Mm -hmm. dirt and Mm -hmm. some of it's going to flick into your eyes some of it's going to hurt you know but you've got to learn to just kind of sometimes you got to learn to be able to navigate that and that's a hard one just generally speaking as a leader but uh but but more particularly in restarts because everything's magnified yeah yeah one thing that i did it's kind of funny story uh I had some interns at one point at uh, New Life Melrose, and uh, it was Easter. And we were gearing up for Easter. It's the big, you know, it's it's like the big deal. Yeah, yeah. it's the Super Bowl for, for pastors, right? Yeah. And we got interns. I actually got bodies to help me, <laughs> which is another whole other subject. <laughs> uh, and so one of them came up to me and said, "Pastor, pastor, uh, we wanna um, we wanna put a, a sign out on the. You know, we had one of those kiosks out there, and they so they wanted to put a sign out there." Uh, get off your keister and join us for Easter. <laughs> so in a weak moment, they're hitting me, and I'm happy because I got interns. And I said, yeah, go ahead, put it up there. <laughs> so so in, in right on the main street in Melrose, we got on our kiosk, we have this sign that says, get off your keister and join us for Easter. Oh, my goodness. I'm just glad they didn't say, uh, get off your and join us for mass. Yeah. So, uh, But anyways, um so, anyways, we, uh so I go to church, you know, I come into church the next Sunday, man, and I'm just, you know, I came in and uh I have all these folks circle me, some of the older people, pastor, pastor, do you know what keister means? Do you know what keister means? <laughs> we, you know, so I said, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So we, we ended up getting it off. We took it Did off the, that, that oh, Sunday. But get off your keister and join us it's for Easter. Easter. Oh, so. man. Yeah, that, that's just you know, there's there's all kinds of different. So, but I think the big one when I look over, if I were to do a broad stroke, would be just making sure that you're you're tight, you know, tight in your relationship and communion and, mm-hmm. and rhythms with the Lord. Make prayer a huge priority. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer, uh, the Word, uh, that's got to be something that's just filling your tank yeah. on a regular yeah. basis. It has to be yeah. priority. Where even some things may fall apart if you you can be real real busy on a lot of important things there's a lot of great excuses to be busy but you can't let those it's better to have those things fail or become weak as opposed to neglecting your own personal Mm -hmm. right you know health spiritual health Mm -hmm. yeah before the lord and you need to hear the voice of god when Mm -hmm. you're when you're in a in a change agent kind of situation you're making rapid decisions that are very very consequential you have to do that from a place of of hearing the voice of god of taking those rhythms
0: and they have a domino effect that you need to be prepared for, you yes. know, and that type of that, that stamina doesn't come from like binge watching Hulu, right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to fill you and give you what you need. Uh, you do need to be very close to the Lord because you are making changes that affect godly people's lives who have been in a certain way for years, maybe, right. mm-hmm. you know, and, and your job is not to just disrupt them or, or to make them angry it's mm-hmm. to shepherd them and it's mm-hmm. to make that location, that, that local church effective at making disciples for the kingdom
2: of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to say one other thing too, just, you know, we talk about team, team, team here and and that's a beautiful thing. It's great to bank on, on other pastors, but ultimately, ultimately you're the one that's responsible. Yeah. yeah. So the work of the restart and all the relational stuff and all the transitions and figuring yeah. it out is squarely on your shoulders, yeah. Yeah. and you will feel alone. So don't blame the team. right? Don't go picking on everybody else and making right. it there. You ultimately are the one that's responsible to, to make this church either go forward or not. And it's in God's yeah. hands, yes, but, but the team can do so much, but ultimately you're going to have to lead it. So it, it's a yeah. healthy kind of weight that every pastor yeah. should feel. I don't care how new you are, how old you are as a pastor. You need to squarely feel the pressure. Yeah, there's a
0: reverence for that that responsibility. The team's
2: not always going to come in there to rescue you. If you're in a financial situation, you're going to have to raise the funds. Yeah. You know, each location has its own autonomy when it comes to financial. You have your own budget, and we can mm-hmm. talk about some of the mechanics of that. but. Mm-hmm. But you ultimately have to feel the pressure. Otherwise, if you go into it with your eyes not open in that regard, what happens is when things begin to go south or you begin to experience some real difficulty, you're going to blame everybody else mm-hmm. because your expectations on the front end going in were wrong. Yeah. So we need to make sure we clarify that with pastors. Mm-hmm. That I, remember, your
0: I remember Pastor Mark telling me squarely, um, sitting down for the location, and this is before I knew what location it was, mm-hmm. and we were just, um, it was Pastor Josh Hollick actually who reached out to me and and said, Hey man, what do you, what would you even consider this? And, and I, and my wife had a similar conversation. She was like, she's just kind of, like, nah, <laughs> we're not talking about that. You know, let's <laughs> just, uh, I had Josh and his family over for breakfast. And so, um, but when meeting with pastor Mark, I remember him saying, Eric, I just, I just want to let you know, like giving me the very blunt force truth, honest You know what's happening here at this location Eric there's no money Eric Eric there's no Mm -hmm. we cannot give you a salary right you're gonna have to raise support Eric do you understand what we're saying you're gonna leave this over here to come and do this and I'm like I know (laughs) like Like, I know like me and my wife this is what we feel like the Lord's telling us so I understand what you're saying I understand this is not gonna be easy Mm -hmm. I understand this is in, in some ways gonna be uphill but I'm just I believe you know, that the Lord has called us here. And I think, um, I think some other things that I just want to highlight that you said, you know, um, both of you guys have have kind of mentioned this, you know, your, your personal walk with the Lord is important. Mm -hmm. Someone once told me, a man I respect very, very dearly, Scott Nichols. And Mm -hmm. he, um, he told me, Eric, the most important thing you can do in ministry is walk with the Lord. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: You know, the most important thing you can do is walk with the Lord. And, And that's been so true. He's, he also told me that when... Um, when you get kicked in the teeth and when things are really, really hard, one of the things that's going to keep you grounded is the calling that God has on your life. Yep, yep. You know, and so that that filters into your marriage, into your relationship with your, your kids, your family. Um, and um, I've heard it said too, like, you know, if, if it's not good at home, don't export it. You yeah. know, <laughs> and so making sure that it's good at home and making sure that you're right with the Lord is really, is really one of the fundamentals, key things um, to not just restarts but ministry in general I would say um but specifically restarts you know it's definitely uh, imperative that you're you don't look like you're walking with the Lord but you're walking with the Lord amen if you have that relationship mm-hmm. that you're being fed you know yeah you got a team but ultimately you're responsible right mm-hmm. we have great resources and we do that intentionally uh because we know we know the weight of the work mm-hmm. right that's take that that that, that is needed um but that will never, and it's never meant to replace or to substitute um, your walk with the Lord right. and the leadership of yourself, your family, and, and the work you do on the ground there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, restarts are hard, man, you know. <laughs> and da- yeah, Danny, I just, sure. I want to thank you, bro, because I know you've been, you were very honest and transparent yeah. with, uh, with your story. Um, yeah, but I think it's great to kind of hear the perspective of the location pastor, man. The the, the fears, the inadequacies, uh, the challenges, uh, yeah. uh, the, the the personalities that you face, right? The sacred cows that you have to uh, work through, the legacy that you, you have to honor, and how do you do that? And, mm-hmm. um, for anybody looking in, they get to see through the lens of of, of a location pastor um, stepping into that role and what that looks like. And I think it's super helpful
1: for, for those listening. So thank yeah. you, man. Appreciate that. It's a privilege working alongside with such a great team, men of God. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Uh, any closing
2: thoughts? Well, I, I just think, you know, maybe a future future discussion, maybe a, a little bit about, you touched on it here, you know, here's a building, here's a congregation, no money. You know, I think a lot of times the, the paradigm is, to, is that you have to have all these ducks in a row. You have to have the money, you have to have the the, mm-hmm. the leader, you have to have the building. You have to, Sometimes they come out of order yeah but because you're the methodology right change is not the message right so we so we have bivocational pastors now a lot of times in our we'll bring in a guy's working he's working at chicago public school system but but he's also able to be a pastor and we're, see, we're seeing that trend a lot more and we're able to leverage more leaders yeah and to do it uh more affordably is biv- that bivocational piece. Yeah. So that's part of it. Or having a building and moving in that direction, but not necessarily having a pastor or all our ducks in a row, where a pastor is going to have to raise the money. You're going to go yeah. in here and raise the money. So, in other words, sometimes we we keep ourselves from moving forward for kingdom advancement because we put these different roadblocks in front of us that aren't really roadblocks. It just yeah. depends on how you look at it. Yeah. You know the way that you approach it. And so I think that's a, another important piece. It would be fun to talk a little bit about leadership Mm -hmm. development and Mm -hmm. how we do it, leadership placement, how we do it, context of church, context of restarts.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think that'd be great. I think that would be great. Um, Hey, well, thanks for listening today. uh, We we do hope that this content was very helpful for you as we get to hear a a real life restart story from the the pastor's perspective. Um, If you know somebody that would benefit from this content, we would love that you would share this podcast with them. Um, and let them know that we're here. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date with our next episodes and uh, we'll see you soon.